This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Welcome, gather round the fireside and listen to a tale of Yon McCool, Cullen, Deirdre, all the sorrows grow on your wail. From giants right down to fairies, about the trooping and solitary, and ghosts who are sometimes scary. Anything goes by the fireside. Yeah. Fireside, the Puka Fireside, Meryl Fireside. Kings and queens fighting heroes, don't you run from the fun, there's no need to hide. Sit by the fireside. Mm-hmm. Fireside. Hello and welcome to Fireside, the Irish storytelling podcast. Each episode of Fireside, we take a story from folklore or mythology, we retell it, have a chat about the tale itself and about the craft, the culture and the history of storytelling. My name is Kevin C. Olihan. I'm your host and your Fireside Bard. Welcome to episode 226 of Fireside. Today on the Irish Storytelling Podcast, we have a tale of the Avertok, the Celtic vampire, uh, which... Sounds pretty self-explanatory, but there is a lot more to it. But first, a very big warm welcome to any new and indeed returning listeners. If this is your very first episode, you've picked a quite good a good time to join uh, because this episode gives a good bit of background and a very typical kind of story that we tell on Fireside and one I'm particularly excited to share. And if you're a returning listener, as always, thank you so much for your continued support. All of the normal ways you can support the podcast, you can follow me over on Instagram at FiresideBard. You can share this episode in your stories, tell your friends about it. Word of mouth is still the greatest way to spread the love and the name of this podcast. If you want to support in a more direct way, you can buy my book, Garden Sea and Neo Myth of Home, available in paperback from uh, the Headstuff website, which can be shipped all around the world, and in Kindle form from instantly from Amazon. Um, it's nearly celebrating its second anniversary, which is incredible. Uh, so thank you to all of those who have bought it so far. Um, and you can, of course, sponsor the podcast directly by joining Headstuff Plus at headstuffpodcast.com, where for five euro a month, although you can pay whatever you want or higher than that, you can gain access to bonus material, not just for Fireside, but for all of the podcasts on the Headstuff Podcast Network as it continues to grow uh, into its path to world domination. Uh, all the links are in the description below, and those are the cells out of the way. Uh, it's great to be recording again so this is the third episode i've recorded this week four episodes will be released this week which is brilliant uh it has really really reinvigorated me because of all of the missed weeks that we have had this year uh which i have hated so so much um because one of the proudest things i've had about this podcast is the output that it has had and i've been determined and i know i've been saying those have been listening for uh, throughout this uh this difficult last year uh, that I said that I would catch up which hasn't happened yet but hoping that these four episodes this week and uh, at least 10 over the course of October uh, will start to catch us back up so that we do reach 250 by the end and it's wonderful to be sharing a lot more new stories with you all uh, to thank you for your patience and your support and your messages uh, over the last few months so these four are really got me back in the game and what better time than Halloween because there are just countless stories uh, for 
from folklore and mythology for this wonderful, wonderful time of the year. And this is a special one because this almost seems like an obvious choice. This seems like something we should have done years ago in like the first year of this podcast. But I only discovered it one or two years ago um, and only really researched it properly last year. I was invited back to my old school to give a lecture just on Samhain and on Halloween. And in my search to try and make it more accessible to a younger crowd, I was just looking at more of the big hitters, you know, Frankenstein and Vampire. And so I did a lot into Dracula and that got me down a rabbit hole, which led me to today's subject, which is the Avertok, who is a supernatural being um, and a precursor and possible strong influence on the gothic masterpiece that is Dracula. But we will, of course, chat more about this after the story uh, because I won't give too much away because there's a lot in it that I don't want to spoil. Um, so we will chat more afterwards, but this is the tale of Avertok on Fireside. Avertok, the Celtic Vampire. In the year 1897, the world was introduced to Count Dracula, a Transylvanian vampire who lured the unsuspecting into his lair, seduced and drank the blood of his victims, transformed into a bat when startled, commanded the armies of the undead and tried to take over the world. Dracula is one of the most captivating and enduring figures in world literature. Endlessly portrayed and interpreted from silent-era movie stars to children in Wicklow Town on Halloween. So synonymous is he that when one says vampire, one hears Dracula. And this titan of monsters was of course created by an Irishman. Dracula was written by Dubliner Abraham Bram Stoker and changed the world of gothic literature and later cinematic horror itself. But where did Dracula come from? Stoker did not invent the vampire. He just perfected it and solidified the concept in the world's mind. We know Stoker never visited Romania. There are tales of blood-sucking demons and undead warriors throughout the folklore of many cultures around the world. But where did the Irish Stoker find inspiration? It has been commonly believed that it was Wallachian ruler Vlad III, known fondly as Vlad the Impaler, that inspired the Gothic novel. Especially considering Vlad's father was named Vlad Dracul, and Dracula literally means son of Drac. The word itself can also mean devil or dragon. Many things once explained by folklore and magic have now theories in medicine and science. So too is it with vampires. Vampires typically have pale skin, elongated canines and die in sunlight. Well, the medical condition, porphyria, caused pale skin, receding gums, and a sensitivity to the sun. If you have a deficiency of iron, 
or anemia, today you might be given tablets or told to drink a pint of Guinness. But in primitive medicine, the recommended cure was to drink the blood of animals. Stoker himself was very ill as a child, and his mother had grown up during the great hunger of the 1840s. She described to her young son how it at times was like the living dead were walking the countryside of County Sligo. And the original name for the novel Dracula was The Undead. Stoker's mother Charlotte even told her son of a cholera epidemic where some people were literally buried alive to stop the spread of the illness. But if we continue into the past of Ireland's mythology, we may find another influence of Bram Stoker's masterpiece. In the Irish language, the term Dracula means bad blood or tainted blood, used how we would use bad blood today, as in, in a relationship or a friendship. But another unusual Irish language word relevant to this is Avertach. Avertach is the Irish word for a dwarf. But the original Avertach was an Irish chieftain who would redefine the term bad blood. It was after the time of the Tua de Danem when Avertach ruled. Some say he even had once been one of the old gods, until he had been banished. It was said Avertach was centuries old, ruling with a cold iron will the people of his dominion of Glenuan in today's County Derry. His wrath was in Slataverty, where Avertach practiced dark magic, perfecting it over years while his sanity and soul wasted away. Avertach began to fear that his wife was cheating on him. So one night he climbed out the window of his fort had crept around to the chambers of his wife. However, in his haste, Avertok slipped and fell to his death. His paranoia had been his undoing, and his magic couldn't help him. Or could it? Hated as he was, and despite the rejoicing of his death, Avertok was still a Gaelic chieftain and so had the same burial rites as any other. A massive dolmen tomb was constructed, and in the custom of the Celts, Avertach was buried standing up. The people of Glenullen were looking forward to getting on with their lives, free of their former lord's tyranny. But the night after the funeral, Avertach returned to his fort, alive, but not well. Before his fall, Avertach would simply impose heavy taxations and high rents on his people. But now he had a much darker, stranger request. The risen Dark Lord demanded that all of his people slit their wrists and pour all of the blood into one collected chalice for Avertach to consume. The people dutifully and fearfully acquiesced to this request. Some even died in the process.
The health of the local folk was not great at best, without them having to drain their own blood. Something had to be done. So word was sent to a neighboring chieftain, Okahan. He was the latest in a long line of Okahans who had lived in fear and hatred of the fiendish supernatural dwarf. But the sudden appetite for blood was finally opportunity for all-out war. Keen to prevent further bloodshed, literally, Okahan challenged Avertok to single combat. Avertok was still weakened but arrogant and accepted the chieftain's request. They drew swords and the battle-hardened Okahan easily defeated the ancient Avertok. The body was taken back to its grave and buried upright once more. Okahan thought that this was surely the matter settled. But the next day, Avertok returned again, this time demanding even more blood. Okahan returned, slew the creature, and buried him once more, deeper underground this time, but yet again Avertok returned. Okahan realized that there were elements at play beyond his grasp. So the chieftain went to visit a druid. The druid said that Avertok was not living, but nor was he dead, and therefore he could not be killed by mortal instruments. Through dark magic, Avertok had been resurrected as a Nevmarv, or the Walking Dead. To defeat the undead, the druid said, you must not fight him like the living. Put away your steel sword. The only weapon is to carve a blade from the sacred yew tree. And you cannot bury him standing up. You must bury him upside down and make sure he stays that way. So Okahan left the druid and cut the branch from a yew tree and carved it into a blade. Seems very like a stake all of a sudden, doesn't it? He challenged Avertok to one final duel, which the creature accepted, laughing at the foolishness of the chieftain. Once again, Okahan defeated Avertok, but this time buried him deep and upside down. Not only that, but thorns and vines surrounded the dwarf and a large stone was left on top of his grave. They could not kill the undead Avertok, but they were able to contain him, as long as no one ever moved that stone. And still to this day, there is a monument in Derry of Avertok's tomb. The thorns have grown into a tall, mighty hawthorn tree and the stone is still there there have been plans for years to move the stone and cut down the tree but supposedly chainsaws have stalled and broken when put to the tree and ropes have snapped when attempting to lift the rock 
So, could it be that this mysterious, malevolent, magical dwarf was the inspiration for Stoker's blood-sucking, bombastic, brutal Dracula? Well, perhaps it doesn't matter, and that is, after all, for you to decide. But I will tell you one final twist on this tale. Years after the defeat of Avertok, it was said that his offspring returned and traveled to the east coast of the island and began its pursuit of blood. When finally defeated, this child of Avertok was buried in the sea. The event happened in the Joycean seaside town of Hoth, County Dublin, not too far from Bram Stoker's home of Clontarf, and the year was 1897, the very year that the novel Dracula was published. The End Hello, my name is Dave Coffey and I'm the host of Phoning It In, the hilarious improvised phone-in show. It's like Joe Duffy's Liveline, except we make it all up on the spot. We've got a back catalogue of over 100 episodes featuring some of the best comedy performers in the country. People like Kevin McGahern, Alison Spittle, Killian Sunderman, Shane Dan Byrne, Joanne McNally, Michael Fry, Emma Doran, Peter McGann, Hannah Mamelis, Tony Cantwell and so many more. Join me, Dave Coffey, for phoning it in right here on the Headstuff Podcast Network. And that is the tale of Avertok on Fireside, and I hope you enjoyed it. Yes, it's lovely to share this tale with you at last. Um, there was some research and some extrapolation um, necessary for it because it is relatively a shorter tale um, if you take out the context and the inspiration and the kind of postscript of it. Um, but what I will do is I will share, as I always share my sources for these episodes, I will share with you the very article that I read. I don't know if it was an Irish Times or an Irish Independent article from years ago, which was just uh, a study into all of the possible um, inspirations for Dracula, where I got a lot of this information about the diseases um it's uh, and about Avertok and further study into Vlad the Impaler. And that was a real, real jumping off point for me. And then I went out and found other versions of the stories where I got a bit more details. Um, there is one version of the story where it is Fionn McCool, who uh, is the one to defeat Avertok. And there is also an Avertok who was a member of the Fianna, who is, seems to be completely unrelated to the demonic dwarf that we have in this story. Um, but it is curious and pretty badass, in my opinion, to be honest, uh, that Avertok still is the word in the Irish language for dwarf, considering it has this, uh, this evil spirit story behind it. Um, it shows the way that the Irish language holds on to its roots and its history and its tradition, um, which is so gorgeous. Uh, but yes, so 
to kind of go through it from the beginning. So it's it's wonderful to be talking about Dracula again because it's you know Stoker and that novel cast such a large shadow um, in such a different way even than more acclaimed or Irish writers for lack of a better more sophisticated term because you know Stoker doesn't get brought up in the conversations with you know with Joyce and Beckett um, but you cannot deny that arguably Stoker has had a far greater impact than any other Irish writer in terms of creating something that has entered the pop the, the consciousness of Western culture in such a massive and it seems permanent way, you know, to have created something like like Dracula, uh, similar with Mary Shelley with Frankenstein or the werewolf or the mummy, anything that became one of the big universal and hammer horror movies, anything that like the youngest child will dress up as for Halloween um, and which will be endlessly like Dracula along with Sherlock Holmes is one of the most adapted and most portrayed stories from Bela Lugosi in the original where we got that accent that we now all pretend we can do right up to something more recent like one of my favorite movies which is uh, What We Do in the Shadows um, a Taika Waititi and Jermaine Clement mockumentary uh, movie that uh, if anyone hasn't seen the, the the TV series has arguably become a lot more popular than the movie was uh, and I have seen some of the series and it is really funny anything that Matt Berry is in is exceptional uh, but if you haven't seen the movie I would highly highly recommend it it is gorgeous and sweet and absolutely hilarious and still all of the customs that are lampooned and satirized in what we do in the shadows released in 2014 trace all the way back to uh, Dracula in 1897 and it's very similar to what Robert Louis Stevenson did with Treasure Island Robert Louis Stevenson didn't invent the pirate but everything that we associate with pirate lore um, whether it's one-legged pirates parrots on shoulders X marks the spot shiver me timbers any of that kind of stuff all of that essentially came from Robert Louis Stevenson and he like I said, this he didn't invent it, but he perfected it and solidified it in our consciousness. Um, and that's the real impact that Stoker has had here. But of course, we're not talking about Stoker as much with this. We're talking about like going further back where he got it. So I grew up with just thinking the Vlad the Impaler thing. You only have to look at the guy and especially the Drac, Dracula, son of Drac thing. Um, but how astonishing, isn't it? Yeah, that Dracula... Um, is the Irish language term for bad blood, which still works perfectly as well. And that astonishing coincidence of etymology, I guess. Um, and the disease aspect is very interesting, that the, the porphyria that cause pale skin and receding gum lines, which would make your teeth look longer like a vampire, and even make you allergic to the sun, essentially. That's that that concept of like the drac the the vampires burning alive in sunlight um, 
is astonishing. And this idea of this cholera epidemic burying people alive. And of course, the Great Famine in Ireland in the 1840s, where there was a huge amount of death and people were emaciated to the point where it was like the walking dead. Uh, that nave marv, that, that wonderful phrase in the Irish language as well. Um, and just this world that, that Stoker would have growing, been growing up in, in, you know, the mid to late 19th century in Ireland. Because Stoker would have been from uh, an affluent family, you know, would have been educated in Trinity College when it was still very much only very wealthy Protestant ascendancy people would have been uh, allowed to attend um he would have been there years before even women were allowed to uh, study at trinity they weren't permitted to enter trinity until 1904 um and part of the research that they've done in in trying to excavate where uh, stoker got um his inspiration from is looking at the books on folklore and on world history that uh, have correlation to Dracula, which of them would have been in the Trinity Library around his time, and the excavation, the almost archaeology of uh, of this world is is incredibly fascinating. And there is the argument, of course, does it matter, you know, uh, where it all came from? Because it is still, there is still a huge amount of originality to uh, to Dracula, um, and not just even the character himself, but uh, of course, his nemesis that he created as well, Van Helsing and, you know, Seward and, and Har- blah, bloody Jonathan Harker. Um, and even the style of the novel. I've recommended Dracula a couple of times to people because when something is so familiar to people as a vampire and Dracula would be, um, sometimes the actual uh, original text isn't as read as much, but Dracula is really really well worth visiting um i did a little section from it on the podcast years ago and it's something i might revisit again this year a different section from for our fireside of horror episode where i delve into other where i just more read uh, extracts from other gothic works uh, particularly irish sorry that's uh sounded like it cut off a little bit there um but how it's how Dracula as a novel is constructed that's so interesting, which is that it's epistolary. I forget the that's epistolary, I think is the word. It's like it's written as a series of correspondence and letters, which is such an interesting structure. So you're reading Jonathan Harker's diary and um Van Helsing's letters to him, and it really does add to the the mystery and the tension and the darkness of it and is one of the reasons I love it so much. But for Avertok himself, we haven't talked much about the actual fiendish little dwarf himself. Yes, yeah, so he had these these roots in possibly one of the Tua de Danon, possibly one of the Fianna, possibly defeated by Fionn McCool. But we have um the strongest correlations to Dracula we have here is of course that he is buried buried standing up very interestingly this was not an aspect i knew about a celtic culture i did not know that chieftains were buried standing up um in all the years i've been doing this podcast that's that's a really great revelation it 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 begs to wonder why it was it to be ready for 
the next life or ready for the other world or ready to return to battle should they be needed. It's, uh, it's again, it's awesome. Uh, big fan, big fan of the concept of being buried, buried, buried standing up. But Avatok, obviously, it doesn't work and he comes back. So we have the undead aspect. And then, of course, the big one, he starts requesting the drinking of blood and more his servants actually having to drain the blood for him to drink. And imagine this this pool in this goblet of just this mix of different people's blood. And in comes the chieftain to save the day, slays him multiple times, cannot actually defeat him, so has to seek out the aid of a druid who reveals that he can only be defeated with um, a yew tree, with the sword made of a yew tree. That was a detail I found in another source for this and included it because of the similarity to the wooden stake. But crucially, the thing to defeat Avertok is um, to bury him upside down and to make sure that he is um, that he is contained with a large stone over him. And he is still there and he's still alive or undead. And yes, I will include a link to the incredible image of the field in Derry that is still there. This hawthorn tree is still standing. The rock is still there. They have legitimately tried to move it. Chainsaw, brand new chainsaws have broken while trying to saw down this tree. Injuries have happened while trying to lift this rock. So I'll put a couple of links in the description below because it's a very, very fascinating world to explore. Um, but as always, let me know your thoughts on this. Is Avertok someone you have encountered? Um, have you heard anything else about him? Um, any other interest in hearing more about the world and the lore of Dracula or any other gothic gothic works? Please do let me know. And next week we are going to have a wonderful changeling story. It's been a long time since we've done a changeling story, and this is a changeling story with a twist. Um, next it will have uh, well this will the. Uh, the next episode will come out pretty much with this episode as well. So we'll have the four this week. And then next week we'll hopefully have another few. Um, but all the usual ways, please do follow me over on Instagram at FiresideBard. Email me at thefiresidebard at gmail.com if you, if for all your contacts, just to say hello, any requests, anything like that. Buy my book, Garden Sea. Links are in the description below. Support the podcast, Head Stuff Plus. Um, I will see you all. You'll hear me all next time. And remember, wherever you are and wherever you go, you can always join me by the fireside. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com.